A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Maybe. Concentrate on sin. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights were probably gone. So had the stairs. You are just number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 439. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are talking about Mr. Corbett's Ghost. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon from England. Hello. So yes, it's December, and as ever, our thoughts turn towards some seasonal ghost stories, and we found one to talk about. We're considering a 55-minute television film from the new year, 1987 broadcast on ITV a strange ghost story with a very impressive cast and an actor and director making his first outing behind the camera talking about some of the people behind the camera you know and in front of the camera is going to take up some of our time on this one Brian it's quite impressive yes it's certainly an interesting bunch who are involved with this one so getting into the setup it's New Year's Eve of 1767 and a young assistant to a pharmacist or apothecary perhaps is keen to finish his duties and go home to celebrate the new year with family and with friends but his employer is being very strict and a last minute customer means that this young assistant will have to make a delivery into the woods outside the town in the dark in this sort of spooky setting and when he finally reaches this customer he makes a deal to eliminate this boss it was such a problem for him he does indeed and the moral of this story we can sort of tip you off early because it's written on the front cover of the dvd is be careful what you wish for i think that applies particularly very well to this story yes it does not a big surprise for a ghost story but as you say it's written on the dvd and so on right up front so the characters we should start with benjamin partridge played by mark farmer who is this young pharmacy assistant who wants to be celebrating new year's eve rather than being required to work late indeed and work late for the pharmacist in question mr corbett the character from the title this rather stern and foreboding figure who runs his rather dark and dusty pharmacy shop where he concocts and makes up medicines and mr corbett is played by an acting legend he is played by paul schofield no less now i'm just going to do a quick note about paul schofield because i feel now brian that he's not as well remembered as some of the other shakespearean greats of the 20th century but it's it's worth remembering that in you know in the mid to late 20th century he was a huge name in acting most notably winning a tony award for creating the role of sir thomas moore in a man for all seasons on broadway in 1962 and then repeating the role on screen in the film of the same name a man for all seasons which won uh, the academy award for best film and he won best actor oscar in 1966 
Uh, he also went on, I noticed, to complete what you could call the acting triple crown. He got the Tony, he got the Oscar, and in 1969, he got a an Emmy for a television show called Man of the Species. So really a very impressive actor and a really big get for this production. Interestingly, while I was reading up about Paul Schofield, Brian, I noted that he was due to play the part of O'Brien in the 1984 version of 1984 on film, in which John Hurt played Winston Smith. But due to a rather unpleasant accident, on the set of a film called The Shooting Party. Paul Schofield had broken his leg rather badly and could not play O'Brien, and that's why Richard Burton took over for that one. And, of course, we are somewhat interested in versions of 1984 here on British Invaders, so I noted that as well, Brian. Yes, interesting. And, yeah, very big deal to have him involved, for sure. The Collector is the mysterious late-night customer who entices Benjamin into making this deal when he was doing this delivery and he is referred to as the sole collector in the credits which maybe is a a bit of a tip off there and he was played by another cinematic legend John Huston known for Treasure of the Sierra Madre for which he won a couple of Oscars and Chinatown Prizzy's Honor and many others a big deal for directing and acting in Hollywood in a certain era. How astonishing to see Paul Schofield and John Houston on screen together. Remarkable. For sure, yeah. You mentioned the dark woods around town that young Benjamin Partridge is going to have to venture into. And while there, he will have a brief encounter with a character called Mad Tom, a rather strange, and as his name suggests, oddly acting old man and astonishingly mad tom is played by burgess meredith another great screen presence you might remember him in the classic twilight zone episode of course he was in clash of the titans he was the penguin in adam West's batman in the 1960s and probably best remembered maybe as the coach mickey in the early rocky films And here is Burgess Meredith, another screen legend, turning up in a very small role for this production. And we'll explain why in a moment. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, this is sort of a real bunch of Hollywood legends. And Burgess Meredith certainly fits into that. And if you're quick, you'll also spot a few other familiar British television faces perhaps recognised best for other media, as it were, because Alexis Sale, the comedian, is in there. Jules Holland, who's rather better known as a musician and as a presenter of late-night music shows, also turns up in an acting role. So there's quite a lot to look at on screen in terms of the personnel involved. Yes, absolutely. So talking about the ghost in this, we have Benjamin arriving at this customer's house and getting a strange offer from a mysterious stranger and he wishes that his employer was dead but of course we get into the be careful what you wish for and he is saddled with the constant presence of the ghost of his employer mr corbett's ghost of the title yes a ghost a phantom that will not leave him alone will not leave his side Young Benjamin Partridge is then sort of faced with this difficult journey back through these dark woods. He'll encounter a number of strange 
other characters, some of whom are up to no good themselves. He'll at first be saddled with the actual physical body of Mr Corbett and then it will become his ghost. And we deal with a variety of problems of trying to pass off the ghost as a real person so as not to raise alarm. He has produced this constant difficulty and thorn in his own side by his own actions. Yeah, that's right. So production notes time. We're going to turn to a British author, mostly of children's books, called Leon Garfield. And Mr. Corbett's Ghost is based on one of his stories. Yes, it was a story that first appeared in a collection called Mr. Corbett's Ghost and Other Stories from 1972. So that was the title story of the collection. Garfield was actually best known as a children's fiction author and known for his novel The Ghost Beneath the Sea, which he co-wrote with with Edward Bilshin. Garfield also wrote for television, including the quite well-reviewed Shakespeare The Animated Tales on Channel 4, which was from the 80s. So that's our source material. We now turn to another famous name. We turn to the director... Danny Houston, son of John Houston. Danny Houston now, of course, is an extremely well-known Hollywood actor and still does some directing as well. But at the time, in the mid-1980s, he was studying film in the UK and met a chap called Barry Navidi, who's the producer. Barry Navidi also studying at the London School of Film at the time. This was 1985, and they were working on each other's student projects. They were both doing a bit of acting for each other, a bit of editing, a bit directing, basically helping each other out with various student films. And it was Navidi who suggested that he had a screenplay for Mr. Corbett's Ghost that Danny Houston should look at with a view to direct him because he thought it would make their first professional project after film school. Yeah, that's right. Then Houston actually loved the script and thought the part of the collector would work for his father if if he would do it. And his father, John Houston, was ill at the time, but he was delighted to be involved and recalled how his own father, Walter Houston, had appeared in one of his one of his first films in one of John Huston's first films that he directed The Treasure of the Sierra Madre so he wanted to continue this tradition appearing in his son's directorial debut and it was John Huston's agent who suggested Paul Schofield for the role of Mr. Corbett and when Schofield heard that John Huston was involved he was on board he said yes and we can imagine that you know Barry Navidi and Danny Houston have got this idea this project to make this film but obviously once you get somebody of the stature and fame of John Houston himself coming on board that I guess would be a rather sort of big feather in their cap and help them in attracting other people to the project I'm sure it changed everything and of course particularly John Houston was able to persuade his good old friend Burgess Meredith to turn up for a couple of days of shooting and I noted that Burgess Meredith and John Houston were New York flatmates sometime in the late 1920s or early 1930s when they were both young struggling actors trying to make their mark and they remain friends ever since so you know 
he was able to persuade Burgess to come on and do a few days shooting for them. Now, initially, Navidi had secured the budget of £600,000 from a couple of investors and backers. But strangely enough, those offers fell through as they were really getting going with the production. And for a while, it looked to be in deep trouble because they couldn't get the money they needed to make it. Yeah, it absolutely was something where they had cobbled some funding together and it was falling through and looked like the project would fall apart. But of course, we had all of these connections with the Houston family and so on. So Danny Houston's mother, the actor and producer Zoe Salas, knew John Paul Getty Jr. and he agreed to put up all of the money for the project. So that secured their funding and they really had a go for the project at that point. They shot in the Twickenham Film Studio and for exteriors and some interiors they went to the Tudor village of Chiddingston in Kent where the National Trust had helped to maintain these timber framed buildings you know largely 200 year old buildings and so on so they were they were set with locations and everything perfect and, location for them yeah absolutely doing uh, doing this sort of thing it was just what they needed for it and we we also know that Danny Houston tells this story that on the first day of directing, his father, John Houston, called cut at the end of the scene and had to be reminded, no, you're not directing. And, you know, it was Danny's first film and he had to be taking that on. And his father, of course, was gracious about it. But we did hear that there was some of that going on in this, too. It's a lovely little story. And we'll tell you a little bit about how we know that story in just a moment. We've got them shooting on locations. We've got, obviously, this great cast. It's all in production. They need some visual effects. Not too many visual effects, but a company called Peerless Camera Company were doing mostly superimposition shots where you can appear to see through Schofield's body when he is playing the Mr. Corbett's ghost of the title. And that's, you know, it's actually pretty good stuff for the mid-80s. I don't think there was much problems with the uh, the visual effects there at all, Brian. No, it suited what they needed to do, for sure. Nice period sound in music composed and conducted by John Cameron. And all in all, they're managing to make their £600,000 go, you know, go quite well to cover this project. Yes, absolutely. It comes across well. Mr. Corbett's Ghost was broadcast on either December 30th, 1987 or December 31st, 1987. There seems to be a little bit of confusion over that. Yeah, this is where I found a little bit of a mystery while I was looking into this. IMDb consistently lists the broadcast date as 31st of December 1987. But when I consulted TV listings archives for that period, the only reference to Mr. Corbett's ghost I could find was broadcast at 1am in the morning on the 30th of December. Now that seems a very, very strange you know, time slot for this 
very sort of competent production with an impressive cast. So if anybody knows or can remember seeing this at a more sort of suitable time slot around about New Year 1987, please come by the Facebook or one of the other socials and let us know about it. Yes, you would have thought that something with that cast would have a time slot other than 1am. Yeah, weird. I mean, I know that, you know, the TV schedules get very busy and there's a lot of stuff to try and fit in, but it does seem like an odd slot at 1am buried away there. So let's talk about availability. Nice and straightforward in Region 2, we've got a Fremantle Media DVD released in 2012 you were telling me before we started recording brian we think this is a region zero dvd yes i believe so so playable in all regions great stuff contains the film itself plus a 15 minute making of documentary which is a very good watch it's mainly interviews with danny houston barry navidi and zoe salas and i guess this was must have been made in around 2012 for the dvd release And I have to say that Danny Houston, who has built his career on playing some rather nasty or sinister or even downright horrific bad guys in Hollywood movies, in this short film about Mr. Corbett's ghost, he's an absolute delight, Brian. He's so charming and he looks back on this project so fondly because, of course, he got to work with his father And sadly, John Houston passed away the year after they made this. But Danny Houston, I found completely delightful watching this short film. And he tells that story about his father sort of dropping into director mode and saying cut at the end of his first scene. It was a lovely extra. It certainly was. That DVD is sadly out of print now, but it's very easy to pick up secondhand copies, really cheap. And over here in Region 2, you can also stream it on Amazon Video for a mere 99p. Sadly, you don't get the wonderful Danny Houston documentary, but you may be able to find that on YouTube. But you can watch Mr. Corbett's Ghost for 99p over here. Or if you're with Cinema Paradiso, the DVD rental site, you can find it for rental there as well. So quite easy to watch over here, Brian. So on this side of the Atlantic in the US and Canada, there is no Region 1 DVD release. It is available on Prime Video for rental for a dollar or purchase for two dollars in the US. And the UK Region Zero DVD is available for import. I saw it for $44 US going directly to a British source maybe maybe a better way of doing that but it is available in the u.s on prime video and you can find those uk region zero dvds if you look for them fantastic stuff i'll mention that leon garfield's book mr corbett's ghost and other stories is still widely available i downloaded it onto the kindle and read the mr corbett's ghost story and i can say that they've been extremely faithful in their adaptation it's a very close version of the story that we see on screen yes that does not surprise me so next time we will get into a little bit more of the story and the ghost and the morality tale that's involved and we will also compare it to some other seasonal ghost and supernatural stories that we've covered over the years we will indeed plus of course we'll rate and review the dvd or the streaming option and give you our advice as whether or not you should try this ghost story this holiday season and please come back and join us next time for lots more to come yes absolutely 
Until then, you can find us at BritishInvaders.com with all of our past episodes available there. And if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, you can find our Facebook group there. And we are now also on both Instagram and Threads. So if you search for British Invaders podcast, you can find us on either of those. And join in on the conversations talk to us on any of those social media sites and i will note that we are no longer on twitter but we are going to be updating the stuff we're covering on facebook instagram and threads and giving you advance warning of our next three shows to cover on each of those i will be updating those all sounds good looking forward to talking to people on all of those and of course we are also members of the voice of geeks network at vogue.network.com. come along and join in the fun You'll find articles, you'll find Twitch streaming, discords, and a back catalogue of podcasts. British Invaders is up there. You'll also find Hooked on Bond is up there, Brian, as well. Yes, indeed. That's on a long hiatus, but a project that I'm involved in. One day, Hooked on Bond will return. That is the plan. But until next time for British Invaders, thank you for listening. And this is Brian from Canada signing off. Yes, thank you very much for being with us. Until next time, Eamon in England also signing off.